this podcast, you know, talks about funner stuff, but this is an important episode to help get information out in a comprehensive way. This has a lot of content warnings because it's going to deal with Zach S's abuse and how they are an abuser. So content warning for gaslighting for abusive relationships and just we don't go into detail on some of the things that they've done but just be prepared this is heavy Welcome to the RPG Design Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Riley, and I use he, they pronouns. I'm a tabletop game designer and an actual play podcaster. In this podcast, we're going to critically talk about tabletop role-playing games, their mechanics, and the scene that surrounds them. This episode, we're going to talk about the scene that surrounds him, specifically Zach S. and their brand of abuse. I'm joined by my guest... Uh, I'm Takuma, my brother, they and she, and I am, uh... Game designer, musician, actor, that kind of And my other guest. My name is Quinn Wilson. My pronouns are he, they, and I am a game designer and a podcaster. When we started RPG Design Friends, the idea was we talked about philosophy in about game design and the mechanics of game design and the scene around it. And it just so happens that it's come time to talk about the scene around it. And so what are we going over today? Uh, we are doing an overview of sorts of the Zach S. controversy, Zach Smith, Zach Sabbath, uh, mm-hmm. terrible shithole, Zach, like human being, Zach S., uh, what he has done in the past, um, and what has been happening since uh, Revelations came out, um, testimonies from his ex, ex-partner, Mandy and Vivka, and a few other I, it's a lot of people it is a lot of it is a lot of people yeah we're also going to be talking about how some of the kind of splash is like a bad word for this like the rippling effect that is now happening where we are looking in at you know other publishers and what they have not been doing correctly in the wake of this like and mm-hmm. talk about you know Try to put everything in a coherent and sensible kind of format. So if you're sitting there overwhelmed at Twitter right now and like, I just don't get it. I don't know what's happening because everything seems to constantly be happening. Yeah. Like, yes, this is... it, it is happening a lot all of the time. And it's not done right now. Like, It's a legit not done. You know, Zach has said that he will release a statement at some point today. It could happen while we're recording this podcast who knows oh lord in heaven all right so yes yeah we're in it let's get into it so the best place to start i think is to kind of give context for if you are like brand spanking new you don't you you've seen the name zach s and you don't know what what he's done in tabletop he is credited as a quote unquote consultant on Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, he has a named credit. Um, the extent to which he was doing deep work there isn't clear, but there's some background stuff in terms of what D and D did for Zach that certainly counts. Um, he also has early design credits on Vampire Fifth Edition. He's done a bunch of stuff for 
Lamentations of the Flame Princess. He sort of carved out a niche in the OSR. Um, mm-hmm. He he's surprisingly ubiquitous. He just mm-hmm. did a Kickstarter uh, a number of months ago. Um, that went relatively well. Had some big names in the industry on it, uh, including mm-hmm. Ken Height, <laughs> who's another goddamn name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's worked on multiple games, and he's also like contributed to multiple different games. That's who he is as a designer. But there, ha- he has been. Let's pull. Let's just pull up the 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 statement. Oh, oh yeah, real real quick. Um, games that are you know Lamentations of the Flame Princess, mostly uh, Death Frost Doom, Frostbitten and Mutilated, Maze of the Blue Medusa. A Red and Pleasant Land and Vornheim, the Complete City Kit, um, and has written, you know, pieces of things here and there. Um, and I think something that's important to add about the D&D 5e credit specifically is that a lot of people consulted on that game. A lot of people playtested. Mike Merles has, you know, referred to Zach as a playtester a lot. But the thing is, thousands of people playtested that game. There mm-hmm. is a very specific thing you are doing. By putting not only Zach Smith's name, but RPG Pundit, another terrible harasser uh, in the mm-hmm. scene, in that very limited section of consultants. Right, yeah, there's there's not that many consultants listed, and there's a density in there of people who have a horrible track record of being horrible, horrible people. Yeah. So Mandy and, and uh, Vivka, like, they, they wrote this statement. This came out, what, two days ago? Was it Sunday? I think what it was days? Sunday. It was Sunday. So that's that's three days ago as of time of recording, where they uh, these two statements were posted over the course of both Sunday and 21 hours ago as of time of recording, and they contain some pretty horrid shit. Um, if you want to read them, they are in the they are in the description for this episode, but they are extremely extremely heavy and have to do with a lot of gaslighting and grooming and like. Yes, <laughs> some extremely, extremely gross stuff that goes beyond that. So mm-hmm. it's not <laughs> the the statements are not light, and the stuff levied against Zach S is a lot. Yeah, yeah. If you are going to go through the process of uh, reading the statements, I definitely recommend that if any of the uh, type of content that is in there regarding. Uh, grooming, abuse, uh, sexual assault, that sort of stuff. Just be in a place where you can safely read and process that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just if, if that's a choice that you make, be aware and take care of yourself while you do it because it's it's a lot. Yeah, and on top of on top of that, there's also like Zach S has been known to harass people on Twitter to get his followers to, you know, go after people. Yeah, where do we want to start with that, I think? Right, because I think even calling it harassment undersells the extent to which, especially in certain cases, he has gone. He has been outright abusive. Past the point of harassment, and he's engaged in like stalking and some some truly horrific and frankly uh, 
not that it necessarily matters like harm isn't confined within the structures of the law but frankly illegal stuff yeah yeah um yeah i think <laughs> explaining that is already a lot and again like thanks to this good this document that hold that holds all this information like we can put these links in there so that way you have the ability to see it but getting into the the heaviest of details of it it's it's not yeah 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 um yeah i don't i don't actually know how far back this harassment goes um there is a particular post here called a timeline of the zach wars um it is it was originally written in defense of zach s that person uh since the events since sunday has since written a post apologizing for everything that this post has done for uh defending zach all these years um which i do not think in any way makes up for this really extensive uh I, I don't even know, like, de defensive Zach S that is just targeting so many people, like, so many marginalized people, um, it starts off with February 2010. Um. Yeah. And this has been going on for so long. It it started in, um, forums, really. Story Games, RPG.net, um, He's been banned from RPGNet, as outlined in this uh, timeline here, since 2013. He's been known to be this person, the person that he is, in the scene for a very long time. And there's been a lot of people who have <laughs> attempted to either undersell that or to, to just, like, straight out ignore it. And it tends to be that those people are, can, like benefit from association to him do you think that's fair to say yeah or they benefited from not condemning him mm -hmm. yeah um and i think as we approach later points in the timeline that starts to become more and more relevant he's been doing this for a long time and he has developed a community so uh, I guess right now we're talking specifically about harassment because there's other things that he's done that are tangential to the harassment, especially as it relates to folks like Olivia Hill that are worth talking about. Um, <laughs> but in terms of harassment, uh, he amassed a very, very large community. Uh, I think in some part through like a blog and some private chats and Google Plus um, where he would organize harassment campaigns and attacks so some of the convenience of not condemning zach s then comes from avoiding the repercussions of having not only a large number of people engaging in targeted harassment against you but also using sock puppet accounts to increase the volume of that all right so you you mentioned the olivia hill stuff <clears throat> should we get into that directly right now She's got some statements, Olivia does, on the um, Onyx Path forums from a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, where she really outlined the extent to which Zach had been harassing her, uh, I think for the better part uh, of a decade, um, yeah. since since probably about the, the time this thing started. Um, 
hey, this is Riley coming in during the edit. Um, we didn't give this context in the episode, but on our re-listens that we realized that we should, um, Olivia Hill is a trans woman, and Zach is especially vitriolic towards trans women in general, and we felt that that was important to make clear. And uh, how familiar are you with the situation talking about? It seemed like you also had some... Um, yeah, I think I, I probably read the same thing you did. I was, I was digging through stuff earlier. Um, I saw stuff about, uh, like death threats, even like towards her children. I was just reading death threats on the children and the children's teachers even. Right. So, uh, as I understand, there were pictures of the children that were taken uh, of Olivia Hill's kids and Philomena Young. Uh, we shouldn't exclude her they're they're a married couple um and this was happening to both of them yeah uh and they do a lot of design work together this is this crosses the line from basic harassment to stalking and threats against people including children and and she's been vocal about this for years olivia and and philomena moved out of the country just so they knew they wouldn't be in danger it was that bad. Right, yeah. They're both living in Japan right now with their kids uh, because they were basically harassed out of the country. And this is July 2014. Yes. If what I'm looking at is correct, which is, it's so wild to like look at a time that's from like considerably five years ago and <laughs> then to be like people, some people just not going, well, geez, why didn't anyone know? And... I think that that's something that we should talk about later because mm-hmm. there is a mix of genuine lack of knowledge, which I think mostly you can attribute to people who are outside of the community. There are people who are obscuring how much they did or did not know, and then there are people who are outright lying. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was the industry's most open secret. If you step even a toe into the industry and you're even trying to be aware of who people are, you knew Zach S. and you knew what he was doing. So they were harassed out of the country. And in 2016, I think, uh, right around the time that White Wolf was rebranding under Paradox Entertainment, they hired Zach to come on to their team and do some design work with them. This is... Just in case you're keeping track of names and associations, alongside Ken Height, who is developing Vampire 5th Edition at this point. And Olivia spoke out about that. Olivia requested that Onyx Path Publishing, who licensed specifically Changeling, The Lost, from White Wolf, uh, Onyx Path Publishing licenses most of what they publish from White Wolf. But Olivia Hill was the lead developer on Changing the Lost 2nd Edition um, and was doing such a good job. Like, Jesus Christ, that is one of the most impactful games in my entire life, Changing the Lost, and the stuff that she was bringing to 2nd Edition was incredible. But that's not the point. Um, Mm -hmm. The point is, she went to Rich Thomas, who runs Onyx Path Publishing, and said, can you please condemn the people who you're licensing this stuff from for hiring this horrible person who who has destroyed my life um, or, or caused me a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Shortly thereafter, within a, a matter of weeks, she was fired. Uh, and not paid for her work. Um, Onyx Path Publishing, by the way, not paying their um, developers for their work um, and sometimes outright stealing their intellectual property is a pattern. They also did that to Holden Shearer and John Merck. Um, John Merck, granted, is kind of a schizo. Um, Holden Shearer has his own bundle of problems. Holden Shearer is a total irredeemable piece of shit as well. Um, but they they were also you know, robbed by Onyx Path. Right. And since then, Olivia hasn't really made much of anything uh, in, like, the mainstream uh, RPG context. Uh, she used mm-hmm. to do some writing for Shadowrun. Uh, she, she, she's pretty prolific, uh, and she's gone indie since, just on account of everything. The next thing that I'm looking at on this timeline is uh the two minutes hate article yeah well between those two things is certain people that zach has targeted in the past including olivia um there is edin edin who was an rpg net mod and was the one that banned zach who frequently argued with with Zach through this whole timeline. Um, there is Anna Kreider, who was was also harassed by Zach's followers multiple times, and she she was running a blog called Go Make Me a Sandwich at the time, which was about how not to sell games to women. It was you know about the the sexualization fetishization of women in. Uh, selling media and selling games uh, and a lot of people did not like her um in in the scene and it mm-hmm. she was vulnerable for expressing like feminist ideas um she was targeted as like a social justice warrior um and she was writing about Zach and the problems that Zach was causing in the industry which got her harassed to no end um like thousands of hits on her website of, of like people that were harassing her. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's worth noting in the context of that sort of feminist critique um, thing, Zach S. has a pattern of hiding harassment behind uh, false pretenses of social justice issues, and specifically mm-hmm. because of his history of running the uh, D&D for Porn Stars uh like blog and I think podcast he he often would accuse people of being like sex negative or against sex work including some former sex workers in the space uh cuz clearly he knows what's going on um so there there's an element of of cloaking what he was doing in those sorts of ideas for the record Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and using vulnerable people. Then next on the list is the Mark Diaz Truman, uh, two minutes hate thing on Magpie Games, which is how they are. If you're if you're just looking at Twitter now and trying to figure out how Magpie falls into this, 
this is this is how in July twenty sixth, twenty sixteen, there's an article published on Magpie that defends Zach. And before we get too much into this, uh, I think it's worth saying that this article has a lot of problems, uh, and Marcus Truman has a lot of problems. But if you're listening to this and you've thought about going after people who are peripherally related, don't. Just don't harass people. Don't Uh, harass people. It's easy. This post was seen as a defensive Zach because Mark Dees Truman was trying to call for uh, reduction in hostilities between the sort of indie story game scene and the OSR movement which prominently featured Zach. And the thing is, he could have gone about this by, you know, asking people to stop sniping at each other across communities. That is not what this post is. This post is Mm -hmm. specifically bringing up Zach as someone that people should not harass. Um, And in doing so, also talks about people that have conflicts with Zach, leading them to be targeted by the very community they are from. Right. Um, and there's a lot of problems with that in terms of people who specifically asked not to have their names mentioned, who did have their names mentioned, as I understand it. Yes. Um, Kira Magrin, I believe, was originally named in this post. Uh, her name was later removed. Anna Kreider's name is still in this post. Robert Bull's name is still in this post. Um, and, you know, Anna was already being harassed by, uh, by Zach's like community, uh, I believe Robert was as well. Robert is also you know neuro- neurodivergent, and you know is a bit combative and sometimes at odds with other people in the story scene. They were both sort of isolated in a way that made them extremely vulnerable. This was a thing that Mark D. Truman knew and deliberately did. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and again at 2016. If you have a spot in the games industry, by that point, I certainly knew about Zach S. And I, in terms of like the publishing and like production side of the stuff, like design, uh, at that point, I had like less of a foot in the field than I do now. And I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mark me... Diaz Truman certainly knew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it took you what? Six months. It was like less than six months than I already had heard of this guy. And I had nothing to do with the OSR. I had gotten out of D&D. Because I had played D&D since, like, sixth grade, but it was only a little over a year ago that I got really into indie games. Mm-hmm. Six months in this scene, I was like, oh yeah, Zach is a piece of work. I, uh, this is not, yeah, this is not a secret at all. Right, right. And, yeah, I, I also come from, like, very much not a Dungeons & Dragons background. Um, Like, that's not the communities that I spend my time in. And it became very apparent to me, like, also, same with the OSR. I also don't know if this is worth inclusion, but there is something of an irony about the fact that um, sort of looking to the future and the state of the OSR community having become so incredibly caustic and toxic that the person who made the OSR logo had to explicitly make a statement that caused pretty... um, like, pretty big waves that, like, you can't use this if you have, like, hateful content in your your games. 
Um, yeah. But that's sort of neither here nor there. That's hindsight 2020. But for for those of you who are who I don't know if we explicitly said it earlier that OSR is the old school revival. I don't know if we explicitly said that, but just to so you know what that uh what those three letters stand for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so people who are going back and looking at uh, like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Blue Box, whatever, and sort of building games to in- encapsulate that feel of quote unquote classic Dungeons and Dragons. So Mark Diaz Truman, you said that he had called names to people like uh, Robert Bowl and Anna Kreider, and that he was specifically mentioning Zach as someone not to go after. Yeah. Um in this sort of, like, indie versus OSR, quote-unquote, spat. And Mark wanted to, like, reach out to the OSR and bridge the communities, um, despite the wishes of certain people that had, you know, come to the indie game scene because of that causticness. There is... I need to pull up the Google Plus thread. That we linked that in the. There were people that weren't necessarily opposed to the community, in general. But the the fact that he dragged Zach S into this is the biggest issue that people had, and that's not how he responded. Um. In in this thread, him, Fraser Simons, Sage Latora, are speaking over women who express very valid concerns about the things that they know about Zach that either these men don't or are able to ignore without consequence. There is a thing that Jessica Price, who, you know, recently uh, was fired from ArenaNet for speaking out, uh, was counting the amount of comments on uh, the Google Plus post in response to Two Minutes Hate there were mm-hmm. 27 positive comments from male uh, or male presenting people, one female. Uh, neutral comments, seven male, one female. Negative comments, 10 male, 14 female, and dots, 14 male, four, four female. Um, you know, as a. There were a majority of women who were expressing concerns about this post, about reaching out to Zach. Um, about the responses of people in that thread. Uh, and very clearly, they were ignored for three years almost. And they had been ignored for, you know, six years before that, or even further. Um, it has taken a tremendous act of, of, of courage from Mandy and Vivka and Jennifer and Hannah. That then... I, it doesn't bring us to, but to draw the connecting line from of Magpie Games' involvement from that two minutes hate to what what they what they just posted is saying. How could we have known? Been like, is that like saying like the right standard for like the the theme they were setting in their put down of Zach S? Like feigning ignorance. Yeah, there's definitely been uh, a lot of that. Um... And a lot of people framing themselves as, like, sort of calling back to, oh, yeah, this most recent thing that I was involved in 
with Zack was, like, the only thing when people have, like, years-long histories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the official Magpie account says, you know, in the wake of Mandy Morbid's statement, we are retracting a post we made in 2016. We have added a disclaimer to this effect. We apologize to anyone we hurt with this post. We're sorry. An extremely weak apology does not specify to who they were apologizing. Um, so far, I do not think that uh, Mark Dees Truman has reached out to Anna or or Robert or um, or Kira to apologize for the harm that the initial post caused. Mm-hmm. Um, and the update itself, I believe, is the same as the the tweets that he did accompanying the piece on his own account. But it says, update, Um, I wrote this post in 2016 in the wake of information that has since come to light, including Mandy Morbid's post. It has become apparent to me that I was wrong. Has become apparent. Right. And I have very mixed feelings uh, or complicated feelings about some of this stuff. Like, it breaks my heart that in order for the industry collectively to do anything, that statements like Mandy's needed to be made when people had been making statements about the extent to which Zach would go to ruin lives for a decade running. Hey, we just took a bio break as a podcast, and I want to encourage you, the listener, to as well. Get up, walk around, drink some water. We've been in shit for like... 45 minutes recording and 30 minutes in your ears. So take care of yourself and breathe. It's just going to continue to be heavy. In terms of relative power, Mark D.S. Truman uh, had power of platform and like industry social capital over people like Anna Kreider. Um, But in the overall picture, also the people who have the most structural power and who exercise most of the power in order to keep Zach in place were at places like uh, Wizards of the Coast Mm -hmm. and White Wolf. Which doesn't mean that Mark D.S. Truman should not be held to account because that was an incredibly weak apology. Do want to make a point about Two Minutes Hate before we talk about the broader Magpie context? And that is. A thing that we talked about before, which is that Zach uses, like, sex positivity, like, fake feminist language to hide, like, what he does as an abuser and and a harasser, as a predator. Mm -hmm. This two minutes hate post does a little of the same. It It is using social justice language to try to hide what I think are personal grudges against Rob and Anna and, and Kira. Um, and defending Zach, defending uh, Contessa and Stacey D, who were also complicit in defending Zach and, and calling for an end of harassment against him. I forgot about Contessa. There's been so much that's happened. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, there are good points made in it, and that is part of why it resonated with people so much, because it was wrapped in this social justice concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is really important to keep in mind. <clears throat> right, yeah, there was... There was a seed of something that resonated with people in there. And that, that seed of resonance was used in a way 
that called attention to people that put them directly in harm's way instead of um like lifting up or empowering yes if you want to read it then the link to that is in the description as well mm-hmm. and, and um no so i've i've seen one thing that resembles a statement toward the situation um that might be an apology or might just be um like a general statement that seems even halfway there and it was from matt mercer he had run a game for zach at one point and uh had interacted him with that with him at a couple of different points and he he made a statement that was a a pretty sound denunciation of him as well as not just in the context of mandy's statement but in the context of all of his harassment everyone in the industry like almost everyone that is uh, a major publisher in a serious um in any sort of serious capacity is involved with Zach S in some respect and there's a good number of indie publishers who are too mm-hmm. and i do think that it's important as we talk about magpie games and mark ds truman to make an important note of delineation in that they didn't hire Zach S but that is not that does not absolve them and like does that does not absolve Mark specifically of the things that he said, because I've also seen this used as a defense from Onyx Path, who sure they did not hire Zach, but they sure as shit fired one of his like uh serial victims and serial targets for asking that they not do that. Or certainly that's how it looks. The official party line from Onyx Path is muddy and potentially worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the steps we wanted to take next in this conversation were talking about talk about Magpie's context. Magpie Games, as we have, I think we've mentioned it in passing or in the context of broader things, which you know you would not be remiss to have had that wash over you as we have poured information. Magpie Games is they're a publishing company that has helped a lot of people of color get their foot in like to the industry and that's something that is like a legitimate good thing that is done. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people have trouble going recognizing both the that being exceptionally good and like this being like one of the few companies willing to do that. And also this like non-apology and defense. Yes, it is possible for things to exist in uh, a sort of dialectical state where they can be simultaneously good and bad. Like uh, the platform can have been used to do bad things. And Mark Diaz Truman can have made some grievous errors for which he has frankly not actually apologized. And he can have used his company and the power of that company to provide an incredibly meaningful and an incredibly necessary platform for creators of color in the tabletop space. And then people want to defend Magpie Games for that, which is then leading to like harassers finding like finding our designers of color and harassing them. Like there is like a garbage element to how people are being harassed now in connection with magpie is that accurate yes yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely uh and i think that that's definitely worth 
uh, unpacking here because this industry, I, I think that we need to to talk a little bit about the context of the entire industry. Um, mm-hmm. The industry is so chock full of people who do bad things that if you want to operate in any serious professional capacity in the industry, chances are you will work with someone who has had some role in either facilitating uh, an abuser's career, uh, facilitating abuser's actions, or actively working to diminish the potential impact and splash of uh, their actions coming to light. Um, and especially um, for for folks of different uh, levels of, of marginalization, like at different um, intersections of marginalization, uh, that gets even more difficult. Uh, game companies aren't exactly rapid to hire uh, people who aren't men and people who aren't white. Um, you, you get a little bit better if you start looking for people who aren't straight, <laughs> but those are often also white men. Um, mm-hmm. and so it, it is almost a necessity that you have some degree of proximity to someone who has associated with an abuser or someone who has associated with someone who has associated with an abuser. And that is, um, indicative of the rot of the overall industry. It's not good. Uh, and it's also indicative of the relative size and um, like interconnectedness uh, of a lot of the design community. I've heard it described as incestuous. <laughs> I almost used that term. Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, as as a person who hasn't been around like as long as this controversy has been going on, which has been going on for a very long time, but but specifically the two minutes hate magpie part. Um. As I have, you know, come to understand it, it has, you know, been really difficult for people of color to get published by any, like, large, well, not even large, but, like, decently sized company. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been certain people that have found success in, in like, more trad gaming, in, you know, writing for, for Paizo or for Wizards of the Coast, um, you know, typically men. Uh, typically men of color uh the indie game scene specifically it was really difficult to find that kind of larger success magpie games years before now um like several years ago was the premier place for that if you look at say you know the urban shadows stretch goals or the or the mask uh the masks kickstarter stretch goals you will you will see a bunch of people uh like different different people from different backgrounds, different races, women and men, uh, non-binary folks in there. And that is a valuable thing. I do not think it is true of the industry now. There are other places, other ways of people finding success in the industry that I don't think Magpie should be held up to this, like, golden standard. Um, that said, they have done a lot of good in the past, and that is something that we have to keep in mind when considering the people that are defending Magpie, uh, trying to 
get people to not boycott, um, trying to get people to stop harassing uh, people like uh, Brandon Leon Gambetta, who wrote for, for Masks, uh, has worked with Magpie. Um, has Passion uh, De La Passione is on Magpie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Cordova, who runs the Gauntlet, um, who has stuck up for, for Mark D. Truman in the past. Um, they, Misha B, Misha Boschieger, uh, mm-hmm. who also was a stretch goal on Masks and has, has worked with them before. Um, is now now part of New Agenda Publishing, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who have really benefited from Magpie and have gone on to do, uh, continue to do great things and like give back to this community to people of color, um, and this is what complicates this whole discussion, um, at least a, a good chunk of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we need to focus really in this situation is, is Mark Diaz Truman, Mm -hmm. Uh, instead of, you know, coming at the whole company, instead of coming at people who have defended the company, who have benefited from the company. Yes, other people there were complicit in two minutes hate going up. That piece was looked over by other people. That piece is on the website. Um, it has some weight of the company behind it. Yeah. Um, at the same time, that doesn't mean that we should get rid of Magpie Games. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And uh, maybe this is because I also sort of keep an eye on stuff that happens in um, like the left tube space a little bit. Um, but there's recently been something sort of analogous to this where people are coming after pretty aggressively um, people who have failed to quote unquote cancel people who have failed to cancel other people. So like there's this, this harassment that's going on because of several degrees of separation from wrongdoing. Um, and usually when you start uh, going after people with that many degrees of separation, you find that a lot of that harassment is targeted toward people of color and toward uh, women or non-binary folks. And at the same time, it is really, really important to um, to consider the context of, of power and of platform. And frankly, Magpie has grown, uh, as far as I understand it, in the time since Two Minute Hate, Two Minutes Hate was published. And in the context of uh, Mark Diaz Truman's apology, it's not a rousing condemnation of what was done. And the harm that it caused. We talked a lot about Two Minutes Hate. We didn't talk about what Mike Merles did. And I think that oh, if we want to spend yeah. time talking about what Mark D.S. Truman did, we should Ooh, talk about what Mike yeah. Merles did. Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, so, a certain playtester um, on Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, who is credited as a consultant, whose name is Zach fucking S., um, you know, those allegations were, were made apparent to Mike Merles. And what Mike Merles did is sort of put out a call for people who had been um, affected or harassed or abused by Zach S. to 
to give Mike their testimonials. Mm -hmm. And as a way of (laughs) attempting to quote-unquote verify those testimonials, what he did was forwarded all of them to Zach, who told him, of course that's all lies. Which gave Zach a bunch of information and the ability to more specifically target more people. And for the listener who might not recognize that name immediately, Mike Merles is the co-creator of D&D 5th Edition. Yeah. The D&D uh, franchise creative director. Yes, he's the the creative director. Uh, he and Jeremy Crawford. Um, and Jeremy Crawford's done some iffy stuff, but that, uh, that edges toward the um, lightly problematic, whereas this is full-on abetting and aiding an abuser. Um, and then disavowing any sense of their relationship toward that person and what they did. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons through Mike Merles issued an incredibly weak statement. Um, and, and they, they called him a certain playtester. And they said that (laughs) they really call him a certain playtester. Yeah. Oh my God. Let me find the. I know that can't be the thing that fucking breaks me in this, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and again, there, there's a lot to be said about apologies. Um, Ken Height also issued an apology that I think uh, fails to own up to the scale uh, of what was done and what happened uh, and Ken's role in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, and I know that Ken is something of an industry darling. Um, but I think that Ken has a lot to answer to in terms of what happened with Vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, because he either allowed certain things to be published or was negligent to the point that it is um, debatable that his faculties uh, or abilities as a, a developer should be trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, Olivia Hill posted two different pictures of Mike Merle's uh, social media. Oh, yeah. So one one was the statement made yesterday. Yes. that That's the, I've gotten a lot of questions recently about D&D's relationship with a certain playtester, and I wanted to make sure our stance was clear to fans. With a screenshot of a little more information about Zach S. and, and Fifth Ed. Um, the second one is from July 2014. Uh, and Mike Merle's here saying, no worries, I did some digging, and everything you cite squares with what I've read. Basically, I keep getting Zach hates gays and women, and when I ask for proof, people suddenly shut the fuck up. Here's what I think is happening. Dudes like Olivia Hill or Sarah Dark Magic, um, Tracy Hurley, who we neglected to mention earlier, but who was also harassed uh, by both Zach S. and RPG Pundit. Uh, get really emotional about this stuff. A few people online know that they can bait those folks into forming a lynch bob, so they do. I've had people cite the blog post you linked to, and when I pressed them to actually read it, they were like, oh, well, I was told he said something nasty. Maybe not. It's been eye-opening for a few people. Straight up not believing the victims. Um, It is fucking horrible to read. It is... Mm -hmm. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. He did and not take the allegations seriously at all. There there has been a tide of folks in this situation who are essentially recognizing only the statements that were made this week as being 
um, valid or credible while continuing to cast aspersions on the testimonies of folks like um, like Olivia Hill. And that is infuriating. Mm-hmm. It's the the wildest attempt at trying to clean their hands while also not like I've ever seen. I thought that that was an important piece of context, considering the amount of time that we spent talking about Mark D.S. Truman. And mm-hmm. if we want to talk about um, structural power and if we want to talk about what we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that looking at folks like um, Wizards of the Coast is really important. I would say White Wolf, but White Wolf is in a really weird position right now where Paradox may or may not have cleaned house with White Wolf. Um, they're not going to be officially publishing any more Vampire or World of Darkness content. They're going to be licensing it all out. Um, so it's not clear who is still sort of on staff at White Wolf. Mm-hmm. And and so holding those folks to account, your your Martin Erickson's and that sort of uh stuff is a little bit harder to to point at, mm-hmm. but Mike Merles is still working at Wizards of the Coast. Uh and Wizards of the Coast helped uh cover up what what Zach was doing through Merles. Right, so uh, positive action is something that's really, really difficult to... Like, positive, meaningful action that will, will lead to positive outcomes is something that's kind of hard to suss out because the industry is as uh, incestuous as it is and is as, mm-hmm. like, tightly interconnected as it is. Um, because there's a chance that the people who hold power are just going to sort of form ranks. And they're not going to accept responsibility for things. Um, or they're going to... Um, and this is a, a particular concern that I have, is the idea of basically doing, like, an apology tour. Um, <laughs> because I, I think that I can see certain designers um, and certain folks who had a stake in that gearing up in that direction. Um, because it... We didn't talk too much about the politics of apology, but something that's important in uh, apology is that it's not a performance, that it is not something that you are doing for um, for PR. It is something that you're doing out of genuine contrition. And so um, a, a willingness to question the motives and criticize people when they move toward doing things like making an apology tour. <laughs> Um, I I think is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and and try as much as we can to look at this from us. Excuse me. Uh, try as much as we can to look at this from a structural perspective. Um, where is the power in this situation concentrated? Who has allowed for bad actors to flourish and to operate? How have they done that? And um, trying to demand change within that context. Because if all we do is go after the the symptoms, um, we're not going to solve the root problem. Because there's a lot more abusers in the industry. There, There's a bunch more people who anyone with a toe in the industry are well aware is out there causing harm to people. And if if the structure isn't corrected, 
it's only a matter of time before another Zach S happens. I kind of I want to add on to that abusers moving in part, which is something that that Sarah Dark Magic Trace, Tracy Hurley mm-hmm. uh, talked about in a, in a thread uh, earlier today, um, and you know, kind of going off of what other other people have been saying about why is it still common for marginalized folks, especially people of color, to be held to a higher standard, to be dismissed as angry. What are we really saying when we claim someone is just pushing their agenda? If we don't start looking at these things, I'm afraid what I and others have been going through might be for nothing. The other abusers will thrive and more will come. If you can use this as a window to reflect and improve, if we do that, the community will grow and get better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a danger here to go after, um, you know, the like we said, the people that uh, stood by Mark D. Truman previously. Um, there is also an instinct by uh, some of those people to defend Mark for what he said. Both of those are wrong. We yes. need to hold Mark accountable as well as avoiding hurting people that should not be hurt. And that is a really tough thing to do, especially on the internet where context is hard to get and it is too easy to just jump in. Um, Abs- absolutely. Um. Because I think that holding Mark D.S. Truman to account doesn't necessarily mean, um, like, casting him from the village with with a sack of belongings and banishing him to the forest. Yes. But apology needs to be backed up by something concrete. And it needs to be backed up by contrition, and it needs to be backed up by change. There needs to be an actual expectation that a person will change when they apologize and a plan that they can set forward to actually change. Right. Instead of just saying, I regret that, and that's it. Right. Looking, trying to look toward the structures of power, who was making decisions, um, and who was backing up those decisions um, in in a structural capacity, like in terms of the workings of a company, not people who associated with those people, not people who... um, might have known that person at one point or another in their life, but people who were working in the cogs of the system to keep things covered up. Those are the people that we need to be addressing. And I I really want to emphasize that, like, if you're going to get mad at Mark D.S. Truman, you should be getting mad at Ken Height. You should be getting mad at Mike Merles. And you should be getting mad at the the structure of the industry as a whole. And it's really, really hard to convey the necessary nuance sometimes on places like Twitter, where you are sort of expected to say person good or person bad, and this is why. Uh, sometimes not even this is why. I mean, I think we can move on to like what, what you can do besides you know, holding people to account, which is, um, mm-hmm. in that thread, Mish was talking about you know, supporting... Um, women and and non-binary people of color um supporting marginalized people who are designers in this community uh, support their you know work on itch um support places like new agenda um put your money where your mouth is Mm -hmm. instead of you know tearing people down and doing nothing else put your money where your mouth is and support you know building up a community that is accountable that is able to pull up um people that 
have not been able to be in this space because of people like Zakas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's a huge, huge, huge thing that that people should be doing because there's so many people who have been um, either pushed completely out or pushed to the fringes of the industry. Go after and support their work. Olivia Hill and Philomena Young right now are working on a game project called I Hunt, and it looks like that's going to be uh, pretty phenomenal. Um, there's a new agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. They they kickstarted their game, uh, Orun, and it is uh, being worked on now, but the quick start guide is up for pay what you want on RPG, And that looks radical. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think especially in the context of uh, a culture where for indies... Uh, putting up things in a pay-what-you-want fashion um, is sort of standard operating procedure, which I think is great. It allows for a level of accessibility to goods uh, for folks, but it also means that sometimes uh, compensation for designers is really not there. Um, Also, in the industry itself, compensation for designers is not there. People should not be being paid three cents a word on major projects. Uh, That's uh, bull hockey. Uh, but if you're thinking, God, I'm, I can't buy anything from Wizards of the Coast right now. Like, I, I refuse to buy anything that Wizards puts out because of what Mike Merles did and the way that he's been complicit in, in perpetuating the system. Then consider taking the $60 that you would spend on uh, a player's handbook and spend it on some of those designers. And if they're asking for you to pay what you want, don't be afraid to value that work. Like, don't be afraid to really value that work. And the uh-huh. money that goes into that is going much more directly into the pocket of the designer mm-hmm. um, than if you, for example, buy something from Onyx Path or Wizards of the Coast, who, uh, for all you know, that money is just going into the pockets of a wage thief. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to add on to that by saying that uh, Olivia Hill and Philomena Young have itch pages and like wrote have have some have some games and like stories and books up on those itch pages, mm-hmm. uh, and they both recently released uh, sad mech games as part of a jam, um, which are I believe both pay what you want, um, and I believe you can support those. Uh, mm-hmm. Olivia Hill is uh, machineage.itch.io um, and Philomena Young is philomena-young.itch.io uh, I think we will throw those links in the description too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm curious if there's any other directly affected folks um, who who are worth not who are worth, but who we can shout out who have things that people can put energy or money toward. Um and also, it's worth mentioning, if you have any sort of presence on social media, um, be that one follower or a thousand, if you go and you do something, like you you purchase those books, and you read them, and you like them, talk about them publicly. Mm-hmm. Like, the same way that you get excited when you get a new source book for whatever role-playing game that Paizo just put out or whatever... Give that same energy to these indie designers because that reach counts for a lot and that that buzz counts for a lot. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking of starting an actual play, like maybe don't do D&D and maybe do one of the games from these designers. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, I say that as someone who's about to start running a Mutants in the Night AP, so um, I- I'm putting my money where my mouth is on that mm-hmm. one. Um, yeah, um, DC, uh, DC who designed mutants, um, does, uh, this really cool thing with their, uh, with mutants in the night on itch where you can buy extra copies of the game for them to, uh, give to people of color, um, LGBTQ plus people, um, other marginalized people who can't afford the game. Consider going to people like that, buying a couple extra copies. Um, it goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, next on our list is decompression. And I don't know what that means besides just reaching out, giving my friends a hug real quick. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, does... I'm curious about different ways, you know, different people decompress in different ways. Is sharing something positive in the space or that makes the space worth like holding on to something that will make the decompression process feel any better for for the two of you? Um, I'm interested in ideas for how, how people might want to approach this decompression. Like how to to make sure I'm parsing decompression correctly in this context is just like, how to like not go like well that was a lot and take take all the information and then just put it in a box but to like slowly back yourself away and then go okay I know this now and then like fuck it I I'm gonna go watch a murder mystery <laughs> oh boy I think I have to do homework <laughs> oh I should yeah. but I'm gonna do that in the morning yeah yeah I could do that I don't have class until one. Same. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. For specifically just... right now, like um, a lot, a lot of like self care, like physical, like body things, being aware of like the tension in your shoulders and like where you're holding in breath. Um, that's good to just like be aware of that and to let things go, loosen up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also. It's completely okay and understandable to close Twitter. <laughs> like, I know that's like, that feels so fucking easy at oh, all times, God. but let me tell you, like, I haven't been on Twitter in an hour and 30 minutes now, and I don't feel better, but I don't have any new stressors upon me. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. It can be very easy to become extremely online, and mm-hmm. sometimes... Uh, it can be good to to step away from that if you're noticing, um, especially like the last several days here. Um, with all this happening, that seems to be almost everything that um, that is running through my feed right now. And it, it can be generally, it can be genuinely um, exhausting. Mm-hmm. And, and be aware of that, I guess. Um, like don't you don't have to pass judgment on that but like accept that for what it is like if you notice that it is taking a toll on you ask yourself if there's something that you can do about that um because it can be incredibly exhausting and incredibly triggering for for some folks so just if you can take a minute like Takuma was saying to just like 
uh, check in with your body if that's something that is uh, helpful for you. I know for me, uh, I actually have a fair amount of um, body anxiety that sometimes makes meditation or or body scanning exercises like that difficult. Um, but you can do things like breathing exercises or or there's any number of uh, different techniques that you might use to just step away for a moment. Uh, if that's what yeah. you feel like you need. One um, thing that I do is I have like um, an album of music that's like very, uh, this is going to sound super dumb. The social network <laughs> soundtrack <laughs> is actually extremely calming for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like The first two <laughs> songs on it like are very like, um, they're very modal. Like they're very just like ambient and they just happen in the background and I can put that on and like just like kind of let that hit me and like that like helps my entire body kind of relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to wrap this back around to uh, TTRPGs, um, there are some like really good solo games that can like help like relax and unwind um, and to get into like a different frame of mind for a short period of time that mm-hmm. I have found helpful in the past. Um, DC that we just talked about wrote one called Plot Armor for Sad McJam. Um, Sasha Renault, um, 22 to 22 dot itch.io, uh, Sasha underscore Renault on Twitter has a solo sort of game sort of self-care ritual about mechs called the emotional uh machine diagnostics um that's kind of like a checklist of things that you know can apply to you and your body Mm -hmm. um and taking care of yourself that is really good um finding those like it might not work for everyone for sure um but uh yeah for for me sometimes like finding a lot of these are short, like half an hour tops, 15 to 30 minutes um, solo games to just like disengage from, you know, this reality completely pretty much mm-hmm. um, and be able to escape into a, a game that's that's totally valid. It, it, it's a great thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Also, side plug, you might know, remind, know Sasha Renau from their work on the cover art for this podcast, which they have just sent me. And that is a good way to decompress <laughs> yeah. because it's beautiful and it fills my heart with joy. I'm messaging it now to the Twitter thread as a way for my friends here to decompress. <laughs> Look at all these beautiful frogs. <laughs> all right. All right. My my buds, my pals. Have we done it? <laughs> I think we've done it. I think we did as good as we're going to, and I think mm-hmm. that like we did good. And I, I think this was was worth it. And this is gonna feel weird, but hey, <laughs> Takuma, where can they find you on Twitter? Oh my god. Yeah, so yeah. right after you're done smashing the motherfucking subscribe button to this podcast. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> oh my god, I can't be this loud. My brother is asleep in the next room. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. Um, I feel broken and empty. <laughs> uh, yeah, but 
th- th- that's why I just had to lean into the artifice of the whole thing. God. God. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> There's no way to transition into this podcast or transition out of it. And so that was the yeah. way we had to do it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can find my work on Twitter at MonkeyPyquin. That is M-O-N-K-I-P-I-Q-U-I-N-N. I've got a new project upcoming. Um that means in the night actual play. Uh so you should keep up to date. Uh on there for updates, I'm also uh, sometimes a contributor to the Orpheus Protocol podcast. I have a podcast where I talk about uh, narrative uh, design and mechanical considerations for long-form play and role-playing games called The Campfire, which you can find on the Orpheus Protocol Patreon. Uh, that is a free podcast that is on there. Uh, and also, if you want to hear something that's a little bit sillier from me, you can listen to the Riverdale recap podcast river do's and river don'ts which i do with rob stith and cat cool <laughs> hell yeah and from you my friend <laughs> on my uh, left on my podcasting left yes in your left ear uh i've been takuma um my twitter is at takuma underscore okada underscore um my itch page where you can find a bunch of my games is noroadhome.itch.io um i also have a soundcloud because i do like podcast music and, and video game music sometimes uh at soundcloud.com slash noroadhome uh we just wrapped it's been a it's been a rough couple of days but we we <laughs> just wrapped the emotional mecha jam both like physical games and digital games um which was kind of a a relief amidst all of this turmoil. <laughs> um, there, like I like I said, Olivia Hill and um, Philomena Young both wrote games for that. Um, you should check those out. You should check out the one hundred and seventy eight submissions total. Some ridiculous Damn. number, like ten percent so of many. all physical games on itch. Wait, fucking what? <laughs> there are when you go to the page, um, like about a thousand seven hundred games. The number seems to fluctuate because I think some things get tagged that aren't, and then people like remove them. But um, around a thousand seven hundred games that are physical games on itch, a hundred and seventy-eight of those are sad mech games. Fucking oh incredible! My goodness gracious! Fucking. <laughs> remaking itch in the sad <laughs> mech image yeah it's been a lot it's been a lot there's been a lot of cool stuff that has come out of that and it has been a beacon of positivity amidst all of this terrible terrible like events unfolding um please check out those games a lot of people like wrote games for the first time a lot of you know people of color a, lo- a lot of you know lgbtq plus folks a lot of people who had never written a game before and didn't know, like, if, if they could, like, were sparked by this game jam and, like, submitted something. So give those people your money. Support support people um, who aren't a part of these huge companies. Support indies. Support itch. Itch products. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Um... Not to segue from that, but if you want to support my work... <laughs> do, yeah, do... Uh, did you mention your itch page? Uh, me? Either of y'all. Did y'all mention your itch pages? I did. Uh, Takuma did. 
uh, I actually need to set up my itch page because I have two role-playing games, Flavortown A Modern Tall Tale and Queer Fantasy Road Trip, which have sort of been uh, limited in the scope of their releases. So I, I actually need to get those out on an itch because I've had people asking me to do that for a long time now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm uh, Rev Rybread on Twitter. That's Rev like Reverend, Rybread like Rybread. And if you want to either buy pre-order interstitial our hearts intertwined which is like just about done like knocking on the door three art pieces away you can go to linksmithgames.com and uh pre-order it there or uh pay what you want for some of the uh smaller hacks that i did of like uh uh my firebrands academia which is a <laughs> high school firebrands game and um a quiet year hack uh yeah, but otherwise, this podcast is brought to you by the Orange Groves Network. They pay for our art and music and our hosting, and they help <laughs> they help make space for uh, marginalized creators in the podcasting sphere. And I like that a lot by paying for their hosting and paying for their art and doing that. So if you want to support them on Patreon, that's dope. Like they are a good place to put that money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, page I think Patreon dot com slash the Orange Groves, but yeah uh i think that's it everybody yeah just one more question before we send this ship off into the beautiful night riley yeah (laughs) interstitial's a game about kingdom hearts or inspired by kingdom hearts so i do need to know in interstitial how much does goofy fuck (laughs) well it's important for you to know that goofy is a loving single father and uh RPG Design Friends is part of the Orange Groves Podcast Network. You can check out other shows on the network at theorangegroves.com and support the network at patreon.com slash theorangegroves. Our theme music is Wells Branch Park Pre-Dawn by Brother Android. Listen to more of their work at brotherandroid.com. The show is produced by Joe at Ghost of Joe on Twitter and edited by Jeff Stormer at Party of One Pod. You can find me on Twitter at RevRyBred, and you can tweet about the show using hashtag RPGDF. I'm Jess. And I'm Monty, and this is Palin' Around. Palin' Around is a critical podcast focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they interact with the internet. Twice a month, we'll be diving into big topics and asking the hard-hitting questions, like... Why can't Blizzard get its shit together? How does crunch culture tie into the toxic masculinity of the games industry? How has being fandom trash impacted our adult lives? And everything in between. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice, and pal around with us.